0: Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Network, the future of global informatics podcast, where we discuss global informatics through conversations with industry leaders and innovators so that you can understand what it is, what it does, and how it shapes the healthcare of our future. I am your host, TJ Southern. Hey, y'all. Hey, y'all. Good day. Good day. And welcome to another episode of the future of global informatics. It's your girl TJ Southern. And today we have Guillermo. Now, let me tell y'all this. This episode is going to be funny. It's going to be cool, crazy, funny, everything because I have, I'm just excited. I'm just excited. I won't actually over talk him. I will let him introduce himself to you guys, tell you guys who he is, what he is, what he's about. All right, Guillermo, tell the people about yourself. Tell them about who you are.
1: Thank you. Thank you for that amazing introduction. I hope I can live up to that hype. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Hi, everybody. My name is Guillermo. Actually, as you heard before, I'm a physician, informatician, um, nephrologist by training, and uh, informaticist by geek calling. And uh, yeah, uh, the, the geek runs strong with me. <clears throat> my midi-chlorians are very high. And as um, I, as you might say, might hear from my accent, I am Chilean-American mm-hmm. by way of Mujoizzi. So you'll you'll listen to this kind of weird Joizzi Chilean-Latin accent. So <laughs> um, please don't let that discourage you. I do know what I'm talking about. <coughs> I've lived in two countries. I was, uh, as I said, I was born in Jersey. I, I lived in Chile for a long time when um, my mom moved back to Chile, mm-hmm. and from, I lived in two countries for a long time. So I'm a bicultural kind of person, bilingual, and so I've, I've I've learned a lot about life in two different two different countries of different cultures. And um, I, I finished. I started my my medical education in, in Santiago, Chile, in, in Universidad de Chile, and I finished it in San Diego. UC San Diego, and that's where I actually started um, realizing that I well, I always knew I loved anything to do with electronic computers, technology, innovation, etc. But up until that point, I realized—I mean, I thought that you had to choose between those two passions Mm-mm. back in the back in the day. And but um, at some point, I started realizing that I was doing a lot of the stuff that nobody wanted to do, like data management, mm-hmm. even things like like. Regu- regulatory stuff, like in my fellowship years, you know, doing IRB, consent forms, data management, learning about databases. That you know, I was there, and they were still using Windows three point eleven. I'm aging myself, and they were still doing stuff on Excel spreadsheets. Like there has to be a better way. I mean, you, you cannot mm-hmm. have five undergrads doing data entry. So that's how I started to get interested, and eventually, my mentor he uh, San Diego told me about these new programs. That I, I, I'm I'm in the West Coast, so but. It's like informatics moved from the east coast to the west coast. There were some programs in New York, and I, I went there and interviewed. But there were still a little bit more of the bioinformatics kind of things, which was not what I was lo- looking for. Okay. But eventually, I, there was a master's in San Diego, and I I, I took the flight, went back to school, and um, and the rest is history. We could talk about.
0: So you are a physician by trade, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, and this is the cool thing that I love, guys, because. Now we are starting to have a generation of physicians that actually love informatics. So when I started in this game, you know, all of my years ago, it was like pulling teeth to get physicians to come on this side for informatics. And the fact that I have had, and I've been able to have the privilege of interviewing so many of them that are, you know, data, data science geeks or data geeks, just like Guillermo said, It's such a joy and such a pleasure to be able to start to see the interdisciplinary workings, you know, coming together. Because really truthfully, the data science wrangling, the wrangling of the healthcare information, it is the same, or it needs to be the same interdisciplinary work that we did on the floor. So we're just taking that same model and using it over on the informatics side. So don't get it twisted, y'all. Physicians don't get it twisted. Nurses don't get it twisted pharmacists y'all don't get it twisted we still need y'all over here the same way that we needed y'all over there on that side so that's my PSA now that I got that out of <laughs> the way <laughs> so Guillermo what inspires your work over in informatics I know we heard that you said that you're a geek and you love technology and you've always loved everything you know in that arena But I actually want to take that question a little bit deeper for you because the one thing that I love is the fact that we have someone on the cast that is bicultural, multicultural, right? So you've seen a lot. You've done a lot. You know, what really inspired your work
1: in this industry? Well, I mean, I always bring that up about my my upbringing because it i think that it, I, i'm sure that i don't think i'm sure that it has molded me of who i am today as a person mm-hmm. and as a professional and i think that when you look at the world from the outside box into a, a system that is actually been even though people maybe have a different perception but we we work in a in a in a world, healthcare, that is, can be a little bit very conservative in certain aspects in the sense that they don't want to change the way things are done because yes. it has worked for them forever. Yes. And, and, and little things that when you're creating like data entry, like mm-hmm. when I was doing my research, data entry, like little things about how you, like for me, how it affected me, is like how you, how you ask for race or ethnicity, how you ask for gender, how do you ask mm-hmm. for even things about how many your, your obst- obstetric history, all those little things that people think, you know what, you're you are you're limiting yourself on the information you can get just by sticking to what, because that's how these forms were created 25 years ago and we we're printing them nice. again. You have this technology that gives you the ability to to change that information, how you're capturing, to benefit your own outcomes. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. how you want to, if, if this person is a specific uh, race, ethnicity, uh, gender, or obstetric history, you're gonna change. You know, you don't want to find out a little bit too late that you should you could have gotten this information that would have affected how you treat it or the outcomes of, of this treatment. And so that's how I how I focus. How I got a little bit interested in how I'm not going to be able to change textbooks in in like in in five years probably. When I thought about this. well, I'm not going to be able to change these federal NIH funding forms, but I can change the way that we have the data. So at some point, we can push. The federal government, for example, said, "You know what? I do have more granular data, and this mm-hmm. is how it works." So that's a little bit how motivated me no. when I first started as how to how to um, be more granular and be more specific in the data that we're we're consuming, and then we, how we're presenting that data so we can get a better turnaround of. of of information from people who make decisions in this country.
0: And let me tell you, that is so important. It is so important, especially now, since we are coming up on things like social determinants of health, right? A lot of times people don't understand that it is truly that granular data that you get from the patient, right? That helps us really, really care For our patient populations, guys, we have to collect the correct data in order to care correctly. Okay. So I remember when I was in school, my master's program, there was something called garbage in, garbage out, right? (laughs) It's the same (laughs) concept. It's the same concept, y'all. For all my informaticists that are out here working in the field, shout out to y'all. Make sure we're getting the right information in the chart. (laughs) that's just plain and simple okay so now what are you doing now what organization you know do you work for now and what is it that you guys are doing with analytics to improve outcomes
1: so wow i've had this a very interesting journey so right now um well a lot of my life changed um after during and after covid but yeah yeah that's
0: common that's common my my
1: little my little life plan had a little bit of a change, um personally, that I wanted to do to highlight other aspects of my life um, in, instead of professional. But, but um, right now I am, I'm doing two things mainly. Uh, one is um, I moved back to San Diego. I was living in Montreal. I, I was in Montreal when the pandemic hit, so mm. I was doing oncology oncology informatics. But uh, I I lived in San Diego for. A 14 years before I moved to New York and then I moved to Montreal. And then I, I moved back to San Diego because as I said, uh, COVID, I want to be close to my family. You know, this is, I'm family first. And so, so. but before I, I moved back, I got um, involved, like many of us got to do a lot of social network and social networking during the pandemic. And it was this new application called Clubhouse that was coming out almost a year and a half ago, which uh-huh. is mainly like voice kind of social work. And I met a lot of people who are not networking and I met this, the, this these entrepreneurial co-founders of a company called Quick Health. And um, the interesting thing about this Quick Health is first of all, I wanted to work in my, my, my family come, has a lot of entrepreneurs. I was every, always risk averse. I'm always the friend of person who wants to work in a place that I know what's going to happen at the end of the month, but. Um, <laughs> get it, so I get it. I got, you know what? I need to learn a little because I always worked in universities and health systems. And so like everything is like, big and slow and there's not there's there's more job security, but there's less innovation. And it's also so. but I met these people and I said, you know what, this is interesting. This is a company that's trying to digitize a little bit the emergency room workflow. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that happen in emergency medicine or in the mm-hmm. ER which mm-hmm. can't be expedited. You know, there's a lot of back and forth to the workstation and the back so the thing, I mean people get an idea. Like, yeah, they watch these shows on TV, but it's actually worse <laughs> when you see on TV like you you cannot look at the patient in the eye, you have to go back and then you have to hit the HMP, the history and the physical and go back. And so there's a lot of documentation, like a, like there's a huge percentage, almost a third or more, with physicians and nurses who are spending time in documentation, either either ordering orders or intake. I mean, just just the whole sheet of buttons you have to click just to get somebody admitted, that you you, you lose. I mean, we know that the workflow in an ER is, you're, you're, as, a, as an internal medicine person myself, I am the person who likes to take these long stories and learn and go back to the book. That's not the workflow you want in the ER, you know. You don't All have right. the time to do that. Perfect. And so, so you do want to have, we want to try to to make a little bit more mobile the, the, the workflow in the sense that you could have a voice recognition uh, application that you can actually do you know, the the, the intake or the, the HMP or the ordering or the, even the, the labs, et cetera, that would free up your your, man, your hands and mm-hmm. also can, can be more interactive with the patient. Mm-hmm. And that is something, I mean, there's a lot of things that, because anybody who's worked in healthcare knows that the big EMRs, they're not made, they're not specifically made and their modules are not specifically made for specific workflows. There's a, there's a big catch-all for everybody. And the people who make decisions about what EMR you're going to use are, have other goals. Yep. You know, they have yep. other goals, which are goals that they need to be met, but they're not the goals of the person who is in the front line with the patient. Correct. And so, so the idea is to, to try to target this into a more streamlined, in this case, specifically to the emergency room. So one of the co-founders is an easy decision. And so we're trying to get this. First, we're trying to get somehow to to merge a little bit about what a scribe would do and also a little bit about how you can do your documentation away from the terminal even though there are studies who say that clinical people and don't dislike that much the workstation because for them it's kind of a little bit of a water cooler <laughs> so that's like what that's like the only time where you can actually talk about what the show you saw last night or whatever went. It's like, yeah. So, but having said that, there is also there is, especially when we saw the overburden of the systems during the COVID, in which you know people were in the hallways and you know, yeah. Actually, the study saying there's actually a decrease in satisfaction about using EMRs during COVID because you know, as I said, you you have a lot of clicks you have to do and drop down menus that you can just write a paper and say you know, okay, patient has this and that. But that's what I'm doing right now, and also I I do some I do freelance stuff. So people who need a nerd who knows medicine, they get in touch with me and I, I help well, him out. Well, that and stuff like is,
0: that. let me tell you, that's actually pretty cool because that, so the emergency room and women's health triage, those are always like the two pain points for EMRs and workflows because, you know, the ER, you know, you just want to treat them and treat them as fast as you can. And not being able to have that touch you know, because you're trying to get all this information in a, in a short window to either treat them medically or ship them off. That is really, truly always been a pain point for a lot of organizations. So yeah, that's pretty cool that your organization is doing work to make that whole transition more mobile. The question that I have for you is, because You've you you have been in this industry for quite some time and you've seen a lot of things from your start to now. Have you seen the opportunities just explode? Like what type of opportunities do you think are available? And I'm just going to talk about in your discipline, physician, what type of opportunities do you think are available in the future?
1: No. Yeah. I mean, it it has I mean, the whole landscape of of clinical informatics has changed and exploded in the last mm-hmm. 12 years I mean it, it's it's I mean I, it's like just like again aging myself you, you know like 20 <laughs> years ago you know you just like who would have thought that you would have all this kind of information at the tip of your hand so readily available mm-hmm. and um even though I'm I'm, I've, I'm always been an early adopter I'm always I look back and I'm I watched these movies from the early 2000s and I'm like wow I remember she was still and we still had flip phones and all that kind of stuff you know <laughs> And it's like, how did you check your Facebook on those phones? You couldn't. You didn't have it. You didn't have Facebook, first of all.
0: <laughs> Let or me Twitter. tell you, that that is so true. You know, I go back to my early days. I always tell people I'm, I'm going to date myself, too. When I started in nursing, I was one of those that was like kind of in between where we still had the charts at the desk. Where the provider would come by and, f- and put that little flag in the chart to let us know that he changed the orders. And my first experience <laughs> with EMRs, we had a DOS system. I can't even remember the system that we used. I worked at Community Health. Shout out to Community Health for being my training ground, my breeding ground for women's health. And <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes I sit and think, how do we even survive? You know, writing those soap notes, writing, oh my God, how did I ever survive? Like all the time that it took. So yeah, yeah, I un- totally understand.
1: You so- know, I mean, I, I reminisce. So, uh, we, we were talking with, with Sinos, which is he's one of the co-founders of the company. And we were talking the other day and we were reminiscing, quote unquote, about how future we will have a lot. Of, I mean, there's there's an effort now. We, everybody knows there's HIEs when they're health permission exchange, the RIOs. Which are Brigo Regional Health Exchange. And there's a federal, I forgot the acronym again, but there's a federal initiative now, which Epic signed up about a federal kind of a health information exchange. So we're talking about how that will benefit of, of having all that information. People are very mobile right now, they move around. So you would have all that information. But we were talking about how we remember our, our medical med student days, but we had to go down to archives and get these huge tomes of medical records to create to Create for the intern of the resident, these, this minuscule kind of, you know, uh, res, you a know, little bit of a compendium of the whole chart. And I said, you know what? I, a lot of my medicine, I learned it that way, you know, because I had to go and dig up and go interpret these and put them down. So, I mean, obviously, uh, if somebody, a medicine student now looked at me, probably going to slap me and say, wait, you want me to go to the archive? <laughs> you know? I mean, I was like...
0: They said they ain't I going was, down like, to the yeah. basement. <laughs> I,
1: i like, you're like, ah, okay, here's, especially the elderly patient. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. So yes. yeah. I, I mean, there's so much. In, the thing is that there's so much information available right now for, for patient care, but we're just scratching the surface. I mean, oh we're not using, God. we're not using it.
0: Oh my God. That is so true. Let me tell you, I spoke with another, I spoke with a data science data they, they science, you know, resource yesterday interviewing them. And the biggest thing that he said, the same thing. He said, we have so many data points. It's unreal. He said, but we are not using them. We're not using I mean, them. I mean, first of
1: all, because people don't know what to, how, how to use them too. I don't know if they're scared of finding what they're going to find there. And And I mean, imagine if we could the, the amount of data we would have, for example, if somebody gets an infection, and even though the, we, have, we have standards and, and, and gold standards for treatment, it's very generalized. I mean, someone who gets a stack infection in hospital X might not respond to the same way in hospital Y. So why don't we just have that information? We get all the all the blood cultures or what, whatever culture we have from a year, and we realize, you know, these patients here in this hospital do not respond to the first line. Let's go to the second line. The amount of money and time and lives that we would yep. save, not having all that information available, just a amount of, of, of wanting, of just wanting to, to invest that. Especially, like, a lot of informaticians, physicians, physicians, they can't even dedicate themselves 100%. A lot of these jobs are CMIOs, are half-time, half, half time, you have to do clinics. I mean, I'm not saying that you, if you want to do it, do it, but at some point, you need to... This is something that you need, you can do and should be able to do if you want to do full time.
0: Yes. Yes. Let me tell you, I had another physician on here, you know, a couple months ago and she said the same thing. She said, you know, a lot of us want to do it. She said, but we're stuck in clinic or we still have, you know. Uh, measures that we have to meet as far as how many patients that we're seeing and things like that. So we can't really chair or champion, you know, the EMRs. And she said, some of us actually want to really be involved. Like we really want to see and push the system to the limits and see how we can use it to benefit our patients. So you bring up, An amazing point because, yes, the physicians are still, you know, wrangled in that where they can't really perform in the manner that they want to perform because they still have obligations on the other side. So I I pray that we have. CEOs and CIOs on here and you guys understand the gravity or the criticalness of actually taking your physicians out of practice to use them to actually champion your EMRs or, and and, and we're just saying EMRs as an, ex- as an example. I'm talking about having physicians champion to make sure that we have all technologies integrated for patient care. That is what's going to help better patient outcomes. You heard it here first, guys. You heard it here first. Right, and you okay.
1: got
0: <laughs> So my question is, okay, so we know that we can take the physicians, you know, to help the physicians transition into these roles full time. But let me tell you the golden nugget here the golden key. The golden key is a lot of healthcare professionals that are in healthcare don't really know about informatics. They don't. So I mean, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get in trouble. Yeah, you're right.
0: <laughs> so the question is how do we you know bring awareness to the role? How do we bring awareness to the discipline?
1: That's very I mean it's very interesting because I think that it is something that we have discussed with, uh, with Thanos um, as friend and colleague. It's it, it's because we had a debate between regulation and laws, et cetera, be, be, versus, you know, let let the technology be embraced organically. And I'm a little bit more uh, toward people need a little bit of a nudge <laughs> to, to do things. I cannot trust the good nature of people, to be honest, maybe I'm a little bit too cynical. Uh, but I'm, I'm a Miranda, if you ever ask. If you ever watch Sex in the City? I'm a Miranda. I'm very cynical. <gasps> <laughs> and, and, so, and so, I mean, I think that because of the Affordable Care Act and because of all meaningful use and, and high tech and all that, that's the reason why physicians who are very reluctant to uh, start using um, electronic medical records or any kind of, these because kind of, they have their way. This is how I annotate. I have my little mm-hmm. abbreviations. I mean... I understand. I mean, I understand. It. It's it's very hard to 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 gear from what you are you have you have. But you know, once you see the benefits, you realize you know what I was stubborn or whatnot. And but I, I, even though I do believe a little bit of a, a little bit of regulation and a little bit of a nudge, I also think that things should be a little bit of of um, not like from this day and on. You cannot. You should be a little bit gradual, but not too gradual. That's why you know. I remember when we were so trying to get ICB-10 and it was like, okay, almost this year, next year. I'm not, oh my to, God,
0: it took forever. <laughs> you
1: just have to say now, because if you just say, if they know you're going to postpone it every year, you, people are going to say, no, we're going to get. No, and I get it.
0: think it was postponed for like two years. And I'm like, look, y'all, get it together. Europe is already here. Why is it taking the five years?
1: I mean, it's just like, it's human nature. We just, we just, so, so that's all I think that we, with a little bit of regulation and also a little bit of, of, of making it visible, they'll make it, they'll make it a. I know we revel in acronyms, we revel in a little bit of techno jargon, but we need to tone it just like tone it down, just like when we have to tone it down when we speak to patients and not talk yeah. about you know different kind of vernacular. We need to start talking and make it a more accessible, so they understand that. This is not a technology for the sake of being hip. It's a technology that's there because it's it's been shown or proven, or we're going to show and prove to you that it's going to expedite your life and it's going to expedite the life, and make better life for your patients.
0: I love that. I absolutely love that. That is because it's correct. That's why I love it. Because you are absolutely right. You can't like, you can show a little bit of grace, but when the feet start dragging, it's time to just take the sippy cup <laughs> and say, I mean, yeah,
1: sorry, you. sorry, not sorry, not sorry, but it's sorry, not sorry, but it's just like, you know, I gave you a year and a half or two years and you're still, you know, doing this thing that has been shown that it's, you could, you know, it's not. Yeah. And, and and you know what, I, I I sometimes, and I do hear people and I, I can understand their point of view. Some people think that, oh, you're just going to do this so, so you can squeeze more patients so you can make more revenue. It's not about that. It really is not about that. It's about you know. It's like what you're doing right now. It's it, the way you're doing it, it. You could do so. You could do so much better. You know. It's like, and I know that some sometimes it, it it sounds like it's it's not. It's like a little bit convoluted, but you know, it's 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 about gaining the trust. If you if you if you are any work in any health system or any company, as a CMIO, as a CIO, as an informaticist or whatever role. You just need to be very transparent on what you do, how you got there, and why you're doing it. Don't be don't be secret and and just go there and you have to you have to um how you say this, evangelize the informatics. You have to <laughs> talk about the things that you're passionate. And if you're passionate about it, like I I think you both and I myself are, you just gonna show, you know, it's gonna show. And 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 for us, let's lessons that we need to learn and we need to be patient. Because okay. I can be impatient. I know I've been using because I'm an early adopter, and it's like I got the latest app, I got the beta and the alpha of this stuff. So, you just need to be also patient patients so that you can. We can wait a little bit more for this version, but I mean, let's do this.
0: I love it. I love it. Y'all heard it from Guillermo. He said, <laughs> be transparent. Be transparent. Get user buy-in, right? Before y'all come in tearing up stuff, trying to put new stuff <laughs> in. Get used to buy in, be transparent, be a Pied Piper. That's why we have this podcast. Exactly. I'm, a Piper. I'm an evangelist for informatics. Y'all heard it here first.
1: Yeah, uh, you can wait for First of all, we're going to have a little bit of a cappella group. We're going to start a little a cappella group called Informatics.
0: Yes. <laughs> so, Guillermo, what are your final words or your parting words of wisdom that you would like to leave for our listeners?
1: Well, I mean, i I I'm not that full of myself that I think I could instill wisdom, but I can instill experience. I think that what, the greatest thing that I could give to anybody who's listening who's starting, who's already in the career in this career or who's thinking about it, it's just it's just don't assume anything about when you hear about these words of informatics or clinical informatics or health informatics or pharmacoinformatics, informatics, any there's a lot of informatics in healthcare. Um it's just do your research, mm. listen to a podcast like this, mm. read, and, and find out because it is something that's very beautiful. It mm-hmm. is not detached from the patient, but oh, I want to see patients. You do get to see patients. Maybe you don't touch the patient, but you do get to see patients and you do get to make a mark and you do get to, to better the outcomes and healthcare of the the city, the county, the state, the country, the world that we live in. That's another thing that's very interesting about informatics. You don't have barriers. You can actually do projects that are in other countries that you could do things in Africa, South America, in Asia, and collaborate and do global health if you're interested in global health informatics, you know. So I'm just saying, you know, don't just that geek inside of you. Just let it flourish and grow and do it and communicate and network. And you'll see that's a very interesting and fascinating uh, path to take.
0: I absolutely love it. I pray. Y'all know I didn't say my favorite verse, so I'm going to say it now. I pray that y'all had y'all pen in your paper at the top of this call because Guillermo confirmed, A, you need to network. B, it's okay to be your geeky self. It's all right. Let it flourish. And C, be transparent. Oh my God, thank you. Such a pleasure and an honor to have you all here. I told y'all it was going to be fun. Lots of laughs. Hey, y'all. Thanks for joining us today for another episode of the Outcomes Rocket Network, the future of global informatics podcast. If your organization is looking for informatics talent, go to www.berillus.net. That is www.berillus.net. And we can assist you in finding some of the best nursing informatics talent this continent has to offer. We'll talk to you later.
1: Have a great day. See ya.